Let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We have been in a series that I started months ago in the uh, New Testament book of Galatians, which was an epistle or a letter written by the Apostle Paul to churches that were in the province of Galatia back in his day, and he addressed several problems. However, he also gives us direction for right life and living in a tortured world that they lived in, and we live in a tortured world today as well. And so we are exhorted, encouraged, commanded to live otherwise. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentle, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law heavenly father thank you for your word again thank you that it is practical today as it was 2,000 years ago and father god i realize that it makes a difference in all of our lives you have told us that through your word we can have faith in christ so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god you've told us and father i ask you that today as we not only read and study and hear your word, that you, but that you would use it, that the Holy Spirit would have free course in our lives, that we would be led of the Spirit and walk with the Spirit and lead a different life than that which this world faces. Father God, I ask you that you would use us to make a difference, that we would be different people for your honor and glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We've been continuing our series of messages through the epistle of Paul to the Galatians. In chapter 5, we've seen that the fruit produced by the flesh is rotten. Verses 17 through 21. Paul listed 17 of these evil products of a person living after their own natural lust and pleasures. By the way, that is the way our world all around us live day in and day out, day and night. To contrast the worldly ways of mankind or womankind or animal kind or kid kind or lesbian kind or bisexual kind or gay kind or the transgender kind, the unknown gender and neutral kind, the racist kind and the woke kind and all that mess. To contrast that, Paul wrote to us about yielding to and walking with the Holy Spirit. And that produces an entirely different kind of fruit. It does. That's what we just read about in verses 22 and 23. It's good fruit. (laughs) It's wholesome, healthy loving, God-honoring fruit. It's fruit of the fruit of the Spirit. We've seen that the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Love is that which enables the other eight. And without receiving God's gift of love, his agapeo love cannot be expressed through you or me. We can't express it if we haven't received it first from above, from him. We cannot have true joy We cannot have true peace 
without first having received God's love from above. Many of us can remember before we trusted Christ as Savior that we really didn't have joy. We really didn't have peace. We might laugh at some stupid stuff, but that's not joy. And without love, that primary, that first in order and that first in priority fruit, we can't produce the other eight that we just read about. By the way, if we look at these fruit as a cluster of grapes, and I know that I've been using that symbolism on the cover of our bulletins lately, not today because we'll observe the Lord's Supper today, but uh, that illustration falls short, really. If there were nine grapes in a little cluster, that's not really, it doesn't quite work. Some have suggested a segmented fruit, like an orange that you take them apart, you know, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth, you'd take them apart. But that too falls short of a good illustration. I read an author who talked of slicing up a piece of fruit like an apple. Well, that doesn't work either because the fruit of the Spirit is really a package deal. It is. You cannot take away or single out one and expect to have the others. Can you have peace without joy? No, you can't. Can you have, can you leave love all by itself? Can you choose to express love, joy, and peace, but when it comes to long-suffering or gentleness, say, now I can't. (laughs) I can do without that. I hold a grudge. I just hang on to joy, and when it comes to forbearing with someone who has wronged me, I'll just get revenge. Does that work? No, it doesn't. The fruit of the Spirit is a package deal. It's a package deal. It doesn't work without all nine. I had to do this just for fun, and I took it apart to see. I have right here in my hand a TechLite 200, and it works, see? (laughs) It's got three AAA batteries in it. One, two, three. It's got a machined cylinder where all the pieces fit together. It's got contacts inside there somewhere. If you took it apart, I could show you the contacts. Contacts, And, of course, there's a switch on the back. There's a reflector inside. There's springs. That's nine. So I quit there. <laughs> if I took away one battery, would it work? If I took away the switch... Would it work? How about if I lost just one spring? No, it won't work. How about the LED? No, it wouldn't work. You understand. I don't need to go any further. (laughs) Maybe I should say this. Could I do without a couple of those springs? After all, they're pushy, you know? (laughs) Dumb pun. But at any rate... Without one, the rest won't work. Well, you get the point. The fruit of the Spirit are not segmented slices or individual fruit. 
it's a package deal. The believer in Christ has been given the spirit of Christ who indwells and lives within. And if we allow his control and walk with him, as we read in verses 16 and 25, letting him lead us, then the fruit of the spirit are yours and mine. All nine of them. I've thought about, what if I just hang on to my favorite five and that means there's only four, so I tip the scales in that direction. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Here's another interesting point about the nine fruit that we just read about in verses 22 and 23, and that is they go three directions. The first three, love, joy, and peace, are, if you will, upward or Godward from me, between me and God, I should say, okay? Between me and God. The second three, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, are outward or manward, if you will. The last three, faith, meekness, or faithfulness, meekness, and temperance, are those fruit of the Spirit that are inward or selfward. So as you consider this passage in the future, remember that. They're expressed in three different directions. We have explored the first three, which are primarily expressed upward and Godward through the born-again child of God. It's between him, the born-again child of God, and his creator, Savior. Now, let's take some time with the next one, namely... Long-suffering. This fruit is to be expressed towards someone else. It is outward or manward. And it is to be expressed to another person, not just among mankind, but that may not deserve it. I'll tell you what, I don't deserve it. Many of you have been long-suffering with me in a lot of ways. My sweet wife, more than any other human being has been long-suffering with me, and I don't deserve that. Have I wronged others? Sure I have. Have they been long-suffering toward me? Yes, many of them have, not all. Tom asked me about this word. We don't use long-suffering very often in modern English, do we? But there's no better word that the Greek word would be translated into, in English, that is better. Long-suffering, or suffering long with someone else, is the very best word to be used. Out of the 14 times the Greek word makrathumia is used in the New Testament, twice, just two times in the King James, it's translated patience. But really, in the context, and we'll look at those, long-suffering is what's in view. We'll look at that. But the word has more to do with our concept of... It has more than to do with our concept of patience. It's much more than being patient with someone else. It includes endurance. Endurance. As an athlete endures a cross-country race for miles and miles finally reaching his or her second wind and wishing for a third wind. It is that kind of endurance. Keeping the goal, the goal. 
Some runners even pass out at the line, don't they? That is more the idea of long-suffering than patience. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I count count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul endured unto the end And when he finally got to the last days of his life, he wished to be with his Lord and Savior, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, and hear those words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's the idea of long-suffering. Long-suffering is a forbearance, a synonym, if you will, a word that's like it, forbearance of others who have wronged you and me, A long-lasting fortitude, it would be another synonym. Forbearance and fortitude. Without revenge or retaliation in mind. That's not ours, that's God's. So, long-suffering doesn't include revenge. It does not. Now I know that that is not something I can do on my own without help. It's not a do-it-yourself project. It isn't. It takes the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I would like to have us notice the example um, that James used where the word is translated patience. You'll see that long-suffering actually fits even better in this case. Go to James chapter 5, verses 9 10 and 11. Go to James 5, 9, 10, and 11, and you'll see it here. It's translated patience in this passage. James 5, starting at verse 9. It says, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of... here. This is our word again, translated patience here. Behold, we count them happy or blessed which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender Mercy. Let's think about that a little bit. Jeremiah was one of those prophets that James would have been speaking of here or writing of here when he spoke of their long suffering, their patience. Jeremiah had been beaten and mocked and threatened by his own countrymen. And he endured with weeping. He was long suffering, always trying to help his countrymen see the truth. Job was mentioned by James. And Job was a man who was long-suffering. Literally, he suffered. You know that. Suffered from grief for those who, whose lives had been lost. And the loss of 
his physical health and disease while his friends mocked him and made false accusations instead of showing compassion. He called them miserable comforters, are ye? He was, though long-suffering with all of that, and James uses him as an example. His fortitude to put up with them was amazing. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 now. Since you're in James, just go back a handful of pages or so. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 through 15. Here is what the writer to the Hebrews speaks of and uses our word long-suffering as patience again. This is, these are the two examples where it's translated patience. Hebrews 6, verses 11 through 15. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience, or long-suffering of hope, unto the end, that ye be not slothful. I'm sorry, uh, verse 13. But when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. <laughs> In verse 15, Abraham, of course, patiently endured. Abraham was long-suffering. In First Peter since we're close by, go to First Peter, chapter three, verses eighteen through twenty. First Peter three, starting at verse eighteen, and um, we'll look at the, a few verses there. First Peter three, starting at verse eighteen, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened or made alive by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. Here we have an example of God being long-suffering in the days of Noah. How long was he long-suffering? Well, Let's go there. Go to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis 5, verse 32. There it is. Genesis 5, the 32nd verse we read, And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Go to chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually, and it repented or made God sorrowful that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Go to chapter 7. Oh, yeah, look at verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God commanded Noah to build an ark. Go to chapter 7, verse 11. In the 600th year of Noah's life, how many years did was God long-suffering? 100 years. That's the kind of God we have. 
He gave these individuals that lived in the days of Noah a hundred years to turn to him. What a merciful God we have and long-suffering. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, the same day, were all the fountains of the deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. In the selfsame day entered Noah and Shem and Ham and Japheth, the sons of Noah and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. So Peter used God's long-suffering in the days of Noah as an example of our word long-suffering. Just eight of them out of 100 years of Noah's preaching in 2 Peter 2.25 and spared not the world that was but saved Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly God knew the evil hearts of the millions that lived at that time and he gave them 100 years God was long suffering with them they had wronged him but he had not wronged them. He was long-suffering for a hundred years. Yes, God is our example of being lovingly long-suffering to undeserving mankind. I'm so thankful that he is and has been long-suffering with me. Here's some Bible examples. Exodus 34 verse 6 and the Lord passed by before him that would be Moses and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God merciful and gracious long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth in Numbers 14:18, Moses wrote the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy forgiving iniquity and transgression Psalm 86:15. Tom read that for us it was a prayer of David but thou, O Lord, art of God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. In Second Peter 3, verses 9, or verse 9, I'll read, and then verse 15, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad he's long-suffering. Verse 15 says, An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Salvation. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As in Galatians 5.22, Paul wrote about the long-suffering of the Lord, the long-suffering that we can express. God's stated purpose of being long-suffering is what? Salvation. That's God's stated purpose in being long-suffering. What about our need to express this fruit of the Spirit to others? We cannot just pick and choose and leave long-suffering out. Long-suffering is part of the package deal for the Christian. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Part of our purpose or motive must be out of love to desire salvation for the lost, yes, and edification for fellow believers. 
if I'm not long-suffering with someone else, will that build them up or will it harm a relationship? You understand. Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3 say, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So here, between believers, one of our purposes is to edify each other and to be in unity with each other and to bring and promote peace. If we're not long-suffering, those things are not reality. Colossians 1.9 says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. We have to pray for each other in regard to our being long-suffering and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and, spirit, and spiritual understanding that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to the glorious power and unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. If we're not long-suffering, the result is disunity, division, and destruction to our Christian family. I'd like to have you go a few pages toward the back of your Bibles to Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. This is what we read there. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, it says, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Before we observe the Lord's Supper, I don't know those things in the shadows of your life or your heart or those things that are being harbored or hidden maybe. I don't know your hearts and I don't want to know your hearts. However, God does. And there may be a person in your life that you need to be long-suffering with and forbear that one and forgive that one. If you don't, it will harm you. This is one of the thing, one of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit. If we choose to not be part of that, if we choose to neglect or ignore it, it harms us. Maybe there's a matter you need to be taking care of between you and God, and you and someone else. I'll give you a few moments in silent prayer before we observe the Lord's Supper to take care of it. Please bow your heads, close your eyes, and focus on...
communication with our Lord. Father God, I don't know the hearts of those here, but I have a glimpse into my own. And Father, there are matters I believe I have taken care of and matters in some ways yet to be taken care of. And Father God, I ask you that as these dear folks are praying right now before you, that we would consider how long-suffering you've been toward us in bringing us salvation, forbearing uh, our wrongs toward you, and being merciful for a long period of time with each of us. We don't deserve your grace. Father God, I ask you that we would be those who express your grace through long-suffering with others out of love for you. And Father, that these things would be committed to you by each one here today before we observe the Lord's Supper together. But if there's a matter that needs to be taken care of, Father, between one of these dear folks and someone else that may not even be present here, Father, I ask you that they would commit to you to take care of that matter, examining our own hearts, and so let us then participate or take of the bread and the juice that is symbolic of the sacrifice of our Savior for us. Father God, I thank you for this ordinance that you've given to the local church to do until our Savior comes again. And Father, I thank you that you've promised to forgive us if we confess our sins. You are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father, that needs to be the case before we come to you in worship through this ordinance we call the Lord's Supper. Your word calls the Lord's Supper. Father, I ask you that you would be the one who is honored and glorified as we participate together in this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul also wrote a letter, if you will, an epistle to the church in Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper is described it was it originated with the Lord Jesus Christ and his disciples in the upper room and it is something for believers to practice if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior we invite you to participate with us if you're not sure this won't do you any good if you're not sure, I would first of all recommend that you make sure today and secondly, maybe wait and make sure. However, this is for believers and it is also something that we need to make sure our hearts are right before the Lord as we participate in this. <clears throat> as it says in First Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, 
that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. For the non-believer it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. If you know Jesus as your Savior, if you're endeavoring to walk with him, if you've examined your heart and confessed any known sin to him, we invite you to participate with us. Ken, would you please join me? And I will ask you to start off by thanking the Lord for this, which represents the uh, broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd like to ask everyone to hold their portion and so that we can all participate together, okay? God even led in the number of pieces. They were just exactly the right amount. When Jesus had given thanks, he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's do so together in remembrance of him. Let's thank the Lord for this which represents the Savior's shed blood for us. Heavenly Father, O Lord God, thank you for being long-suffering to us that any should perish, but that all should come to For those of us who have, in faith in Jesus Christ, we know that it was you required for the remission or forgiveness of God. I thank you for the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May we honor him today, tonight and tomorrow, and throughout the life you give ahead of us. Father God, I ask you that this time together would be that which is a sweet savor to you, bringing honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. After the same manner, he also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's do so in remembrance of him together. Let's open our songbooks to 420 and stand as we're dismissed and sing unto the Lord this song that describes what he has done for us. I gave my life for thee, 420. And we'll sing verses 1 and 4 as, we're, as we wrap up today. And if there, by the way, if there's anyone here that has a question about salvation or any other matter, and maybe even forgiveness, I would be glad to talk with you about that or turn you to someone 
else who can. Let's go ahead and sing verses 1 and 4 of I Gave My Life for Thee. I gave my life for thee, my precious blood I shed, that thou mightst be and quicken from the dead. I gave my life for thee, what hast thou given for me? I gave, I gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? Verse 4. And I have brought to thee down from my home above salvation full and free my pardon and my love. I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? I bring, I bring rich gifts to thee. What hast thou brought to me? I hope you can come back this evening for our family Bible hour. God bless.